All right, good morning, everybody. This morning we'll be in Job 39 and 40, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. 39 and 40, and we'll pray and we'll get started here. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the time we get to spend in it today. Thank you for your, oh, kind of a mix, trying to figure out the way you're talking to Job. Um, I'm trying to put um, tone with it is difficult. We know you're loving, gracious, merciful, and long-suffering, patient, kind, and uh, you're a servant, and, and yet you're king. And um, help us to receive your word as such. Um, as we read these things, as we hear you answer Job for all the questions, when you answer all four of his counselors with all of their questions, accusations, and assumptions, help us to understand your heart as you try to teach. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple announcements before we get into the Word today. Uh, tomorrow night um, at 7 o'clock, we'll be having our, uh, instead of question and answer period, we'll be watching the movie, um, The uh, Burma Rangers, and you're welcome to come out for that. It's a family-friendly documentary on missionaries uh, to Burma, so please join us for that tomorrow night at 7. Um, also, uh, then, the next thing is February 11th is our How We Got Our Bible for Kids um, you can spread the word on that and uh, and be in prayer that that goes just like God wants it to. And that'll also be on a Friday night at seven o'clock. Join us for that, please. And uh, I think that's it. There was one other thing I was going to mention, and I'm just escaping my mind right now. It's okay. Must need to escape. All right, Job 39. God continues his answer to the gang uh, in a loving way, I think. I'm going to give you the synopsis ahead of time. So that if you tune out for the rest of it or you find your mind wandering, as mine does sometimes even when I'm up here, um, you'll at least know what God's trying to do. God will go through a series of animals, and he's moving from the stars and heaven and the creation that can't see or can't understand to the things that you could possibly understand about animals, but you don't. And the point of, I think, all these questions is for Job to get the understanding. There's a lot of things going on around you, Job, that you don't understand. You've just accepted them and you've gone on with life. And what's happened to you is another one of those things that you're not going to understand. Because what you'll find here is God does not answer Job's questions as to why. Why has this stuff happened to me? Why is this occurring? He doesn't answer that. And yet he does answer the, the main question Job had the entire time was, where is God in all of this? I don't feel his presence. I don't think he's around me. I think he's left me. If, he could, if I could just talk to him, if I could... Well, God has showed up and answered the most important question that Job had was, no, I've never left you. I've never forsaken you. I'm, I'm right here. But he doesn't answer the other questions as to why. Um, and he does that on purpose. God does that on purpose. And so he goes through this list of animals, and we can spend some time on the animals if we want to, but that really isn't the point. The point is, there's a lot of things you are out of control, Job. There's a lot of things you don't understand. Um, and you've accepted those, and you need to accept this as well. That's part of it. We just have to oftentimes rest upon the character of God. Um, he doesn't always tell us why, but he does give us his character, and we can trust that completely, that everything from God is good, everything. So in verse 1, chapter 39, do you know? So these are rhetorical questions because you don't. The time when the wild mountain goats bear young? Or can you mark when the deer give birth? Can you number the months that they fulfill? Or do you know the time when they bear young? 
They bow down, they bring forth their young, they deliver their offspring, their young ones are healthy, they grow strong with grain, they depart and do not return to them. Now, some of those things they probably know a little bit about. I mean, those are attainable things. We know a lot about wild animals now and, and things. Uh, I've, I've learned a lot more since my kids are homeschooled. Uh, you know, you get schooled at the same time when you, when you school uh, and when you're trying to teach. And uh, there was an animal they were listening. You know, I, I kind of eave, eavesdrop sometimes on their, on their conversations, but there's one that can actually uh, withhold the young as long as they need to until it's appropriate time to give up the young. The gestation period changes. What? It can go from nine months to 12 months to three months to five months. It can do what it wants. I can't remember the animal, though. The kids will probably know. Are they in here? Oh, they're probably out there. Well, if they remember, they can yell it in here. I'm like, what? How does that, how does that work? How do you pause? Gestation. Oh. And this isn't that situation here. What God is trying to get at with these mountain goats, with these deer. Uh, and I got to see those when I was in Israel. Got to see a little flock of four of them. They're not deer like we think. They're deer, you know, not like deer, you know. So there's these little deer, and they do. They look like little mini deer, and they're running around and jumping around, and they're really cute like mini goats or something. And, um, but they're doing fine without you, Job. I'm, I'm managing and handling so much of creation and doing things that you don't even have any hand in or understanding in, and I'm doing just fine. Watch this. You, you, just, you just see baby goats or you just see baby deer. And they're fine, and they pop out, and they're jumping around like everything. They're healthy, and they're strong, and they're great. Not, not all the time, but generally, that's the idea. And I've got this. Now, he moves on to this wild donkey, which, by the way, I learned something again. When, um, when God calls Esau, you're going to be a wild donkey, it was meant to be a compliment. Not just a stubborn guy that doesn't do, but able to withstand and stand up to the elements and the hardships of this world, and you'll be able to, you'll be just fine is the idea. So when he says, you're a wild donkey, listen how he describes these wild free donkeys. Who set the wild donkey free? Who loosed the bonds of the uh, onager? Whose home have I made in the wilderness and the barren land his dwelling? He scorns the tumult of the city. He does not heed the shouts of the driver. The range of the mountains is his pasture. And he searches after every green thing. Will the wild ox be willing to serve you? (laughs) Will he uh, bed by your manger? Can you bind the wild ox and furrow with ropes? Or will the plow, or will he plow the valleys behind you? Will you trust him because his strength is greater? Will you leave your labor to him? Will you trust him to bring home your grain and gather it to your threshing floor? No, we don't use these animals for those things. They're too crazy. Be like, taming a, a rhinoceros to do your job for you. You know, it's like, this is a, not worth the effort or risk. And that's the idea. This thing's strong and hardy. And so it does give us a little, I mean, it really doesn't have to do with today's teaching, but oh, Esau, hmm, wild ox. Um, interesting. These things are important. We don't get to tame everything. Um, we've tamed a lot of things, but there's some things just we've learned aren't worth it. You don't see a lot of people riding giraffes or things like that. You know, it's just the saddle would be unbelievably difficult to make. First of all, I'm still surprised whenever I see a camel with a saddle. I'm like, I mean, really? It's, I mean, the, the lift kit you got to put on one end of that thing just to match the back end. Is, it's just not 
I'm worth it. But I guess if that's all you have, I guess that's what you do. Um, some of these things we just don't worry about. They're just, they're, they are what they are. And that's really what God's leading towards here is, as God describes these animals, he's in awe of them. Not like I can't understand what they are. What they, He just really loves his, have you ever met an artist that hates his art or her art? They want to destroy it. They want to paint over it. They're never done with it. They can't display it. Nobody can see it. Like, really? If I could draw better than a stick figure, I would, I would put it on the billboard so everybody could see it, you know? But no, no, it's just not, I just hate this. I just don't like it. Okay. All right. That's not how God feels about his stuff at all. He's pointing it out. You guys ever looked at the wild donkey? Yeah. And we don't like them because they don't serve us. They don't do what we ask it to do. We can't manipulate it. We can't make it benefit us in any way. It just is. God's got to have a huge smile on his face. Exactly. He's meant to look at. He's meant to just thoroughly enjoy and not to have to figure out or um, disseminate, or that's probably the wrong word, but to tear apart, to figure out, to absolutely control and know everything about it, you know? It's meant to just enjoy and, and appreciate what you do know and then appreciate the mystery of it as well. Verse 13, the wings of the ostrich wave proudly. And this is humor. God's, God's being funny here. The wings of the ostrich wave proudly, but are her wings and pinions like, a, like the kindly storks? No, they're kind of fluffy. For she leaves her eggs on the ground and warms them in the dust. She forgets that a foot may crush them or that the wild beast may break them. She treats her young harshly as though they were not hers. Her labor is in vain without concern because God deprived her of wisdom and did not endow her with understanding. When she lifts herself on high, she scorns the horse and its rider. In other words, ostrich is kind of a big joke. We're supposed to look at it and say, man, what a dumb bird. He's like, yeah, I know. I made it dumb. I did that on purpose. It lifts its head up and it fluffs its feathers and the thing can't even fly, you know? Or when he puts his head up, he says, look, I'm as good as the horses. No, you're not, you know? But you think you are, tiny little brain, big funny eyes, and it's God's attempt. Now, I think that's funny. I, as, I, as I watch this and, and I think about what, what God is leading up to is, because he's not talking about animals only, he's also talking about people. And we're the closest thing. We're made in the image of God. We're not animals, but we're, we're made in his image. And as we see God here trying to give Job the perspective he needs to appreciate just the animal for what it is, um, can I bring this into a marriage or into males and females? Can I do that this morning? Because that is one of the things we hear the most in this world is women. <laughs> Go figure. Who can understand them? They're crazy, you know. Or women about men. Men. I mean, what a bunch of whatevers, you know. And we say that because we can't figure it out. We can't break them down. Can't manipulate them to do what we want them to do all the time. We can't harness them. We can't train them. And it bugs us. And so the parts that we don't get and the mysterious side of things is we just say, eh, crazy. No, it's not like you. They're not crazy. They're just not like you. If we stop trying to lord over one another, you know, 
and make people feel bad for not being exactly like us in the marriage. Who, who wants that? Guys, just, just telling you, you, you don't want another you in the house. I'm telling you that right now. God looked at Adam and said, it's not good that you're alone, you know? And he didn't bring another you know, Adamette to him. It brought Eve and says, she's going to be really different. And you're going to, and he looked at her and couldn't figure her out from the very beginning. It says, whoa, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She's, she's, whoa, man. I mean, she's like, man, but whoa, better, you know, kind of thing. And he appreciated that. Oh, that we could see that. If we could see that in women as men and appreciate the difference and appreciate that. There's a mystery there that we'll never understand, but it is art to be thoroughly enjoyed. And women, likewise, if you could look at your husbands or men in general, if you're not married, it doesn't matter. If you look at men in general, not consider them stupid or need to be fixed. See, the idea of fixing the opposite, what you mean is you want them to be just like you. And that's not fixing. That's depriving the world of the, of the variety that we need. It's It's essential. It's like saying, I, I, I hate wild ox because, or these wild donkeys because we can't make them do what we want them to do. And God says, no, I never intended you to do anything with them. They're just meant to be out there, you know? Likewise, men have certain characteristics about them that are not like you as women, and that's a good thing. And likewise, men, women have characteristics that are not like yours, and that's a good thing. And that varies, you know, but there's a difference. It varies in in in. Sometimes there's huge gaps and sometimes there's smaller gaps. It, it depends on each person, everybody's individual, but there's a difference. And it's, it's meant to be absolutely enjoyed and not figured out or scorned or fixed. We'd be so much better off. So these ostrich, I'm not saying the men are ostriches, but, you know, as long as we're going to pick on somebody, we'll, we'll do that. But he moves then to the horses. And the horses do things that are against nature. It's, it's against nature for an animal to, to, to drive itself into danger. Um, they flee it. They know, you know. But you can get on a horse, and it's got such bravery and courage that it'll go towards war. It'll go towards its, uh, 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 an event that's to its own detriment if it falls into the wrong hands or something happens to it. And that's what he describes here. Have you given the horse strength? Have you clothed its neck with thunder? Can you frighten him like a locust? His majestic snorting strikes terror. He paws in the valley and rejoices in his strength. He gallops into the clash of arms. He mocks at fear and is not frightened, nor does he turn back from the sword. The quiver rattles against him, but glittering spear and javelin. He devours the distance with fierceness and rage, nor does he come to a halt because the trumpet has sounded. At the blast of a trumpet, he says, aha, he smells the battle from afar, the thunder of captains and shouting, runs into battle, runs into war, instead of away from it. God says, it's a wonderful thing that we have in horses. Can you figure that out, Job? Do you understand these things? Did you make them that way? Why is this horse different from the other animals? Why is it like that? And Job is meant to just sit there and understand, and so are the other guys, that no, we don't understand these things. We sure appreciate them, though. And there, some things are a benefit and some things aren't. I, there are many things I like about our horses. There are many things I do not like about our horses. You know, every single one of the animals that God has brought onto our tiny little uh, acreage there has been a blessing and also, you know, a little bit of a pain at the same time. You know, 
And we've learned to appreciate that that's just who they are. That's what they do. Some of it you can train out of them, but for the most part, they, they are who they are. And we can appreciate that. I think that's very important. Verse 26, why does the hawk fly by your wisdom? Or does, I'm saying, does the hawk fly by your wisdom and spread its wings toward the south? Does the eagle mount up at your command and make its nest on high? No, they have their own mind and they do their own thing. On the rock it dwells and resides, on the crag of the rock and the stronghold. From there it spies out the prey, its eyes observe from afar. Its young ones suck up blood, and where the slain are, uh, there it is. Um, describing their scavenger-type nature kind of thing and their ability to um, clean up the land, actually. I didn't know that you know, eagles did that. I knew eagles would follow the, the flocks. Like when we get our migration pattern here and you see all the bald eagles come in and follow the geese and all, and that's their food source. They also eat roadkill. I mean, they're just out there eating deer or whatever else they can find. They just do that. And so God's saying, did you, did you instill that in them? He doesn't bring up butterflies or some of the other crazy stuff that like monarchs. I mean, that, that is just such an ins- insane migration pattern that they have and, and, uh, and how they go back to the place they've never been to before. You know, it's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, And that's his point. This is an amazing world to discover and you'll, you'll learn all of it. JC prayed and that's, it's, it's a true statement. When, when you don't have wisdom and you ask of God, he'll give it to you liberally. That's true. But I think that's also needs to have a, have a disclaimer with it also. He'll give it to you if he wants to give it to you. I mean, because I can pray the prayer, God, I want to have all wisdom I'm not going to get all wisdom, even though I've asked for it. He'll give me liberally what he wants to give me, what he thinks is beneficial. What's, but like the ostrich, he may just withhold some things from me so that I can wonder. You know, I watch our kids um, amazed at the world around them, looking at snowflakes and staring at grasshoppers. And we all used to do that, but we got older. We stopped doing that. The wonder has been removed. And that's all God's trying to do is bring Job back to that wonder. God's like, I still marvel at these, at my creation, at my art. Do you still marvel at it? Is it okay to have that mystery? Are you enjoying that? And it's, it's bringing, now Job's in a tough spot. Job has lost everything. Um, in fact, that's what he says here in verse, in this next section is, I want you to prepare yourself like a man again and listen to me in this chapter 40. And I don't know that he means it the way he, I think he means it. Sometimes I think he says, uh, you know, prepare yourself like a man, stand up like a man stands up. Or is he saying it in more of a, not a derogatory way, but a lesser way? Why don't you stand up like only a man can stand up and let your God speak to you, you know, in a humble way, in a submissive way, stand up, Job. He says in verse 40, or sorry, chapter 40, verse one. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, shall the one who contends with the almighty correct him? He who rebukes God, let him answer it. You want to contend with me? That was one of the problems Job had. He says, where are you, God? And and if you just present yourself to me, so I can make a defense. Um, If you just explain the charges that you've got against me, he was under the impression that he was being punished as well for some kind of sin that he didn't, he was unaware of. I just need that. I just need to stand before and have my advocate my, my time with you. I need an advocate and have my court date. And so God says, do you want to contend with the almighty and correct him? Of course, Job and everybody in the, in the circle is like, no, you know, we'd rather not. We, we didn't think you were really listening. 
We didn't think you were really there. And now that you've showed up, that's answered almost, well, it has answered all of our questions that we had before. We were talking and praying, but that's because we didn't think you could hear or were listening. But when you showed up and began to speak to us, that caused us all to have all those questions answered. Oh, you are there. Oh, you never left. So he says, why don't you answer me? So Job does, he squeaks out a little answer here. I give him credit for that. And Job answered the Lord and said, behold, I am vile. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand over my mouth. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer. Yes, twice, but I will proceed no further. Yeah, I did say those things. I admit it, but I'm not going to say anything else from here on out. I'm putting my hand over my mouth. I'm going to be quiet. Now he says he's vile. Um, that, that word vile, if you, you know, there's a, there's a definition that we're used to, and there's a definition that's meant here. The vile that we think of is, that's a vile person. And we kind of all want, ooh, you know, you don't want to be. A, the, the word here is intended to be empty. It's an empty, it's weightless. There's no value to it, is, is the idea. It's an empty vial. Think of it that way, an empty jar. And so he says, I'm, I'm vile. I'm not, I have no weight against you. I have no, um, it's not even close, is the idea. Um, he's not admitting that he's a, a wicked sinner because at the very beginning, God says, you're not a wicked sinner. That's the whole point of this. Uh, have you ever considered my servant Job? He's the most righteous man on the earth. He's, he's blameless in my eyes. Okay, so that's how this all started. And Satan accused him saying he's only blameless because of all the blessings you have. And God says, we'll take away all the blessings and he'll still worship me. He'll still sing praises to me, even though I take away. And that's how we started this whole thing. Job said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that's why we sang that song this morning. He says, I'm vile, God. That's the only answer I have for you. I'm empty. There are moments, and this is one of those moments for human beings, when they come in contact with a a holy God or in a moment in this world even sometimes, and you don't encounter God necessarily, but you encounter someone who's godly, you discover your vileness, your emptiness, your lack, your shortcomings, you know. Some of the worst times for me is when I'm around my kids. Um, I love them. But when Jesus set them in the midst of himself, and he says, you've got you've to be like one of these little kids if you want to enter the kingdom of God. And so when my kids demonstrate more righteousness than I have in a certain situation, those are some of the most difficult times for me because, and I think this is going to apply to all of us. So this is like a really important part of the teaching. If you can tune in is because we have an option to either be broken by what our kids have said and by their adherence to God's word and his righteousness, or we can teach them to be responsible sinners. I'll just let that sink in a little bit because I spend a lot of my time as I'm confronted with my vileness, I've been in the presence of a pure and innocent child sometimes, and they make note of it and say, Dad, is that okay? I have an option at that point to say, no, you're, you're absolutely right. It's not okay. God's word is true, and your dad just sinned, and I'm sorry, and I'm going to go ask God for forgiveness. Or I can teach my kids to sin responsibly and say, you know, yeah, you're right, but... In this situation, 
under these circumstances, what I meant was, it's a very difficult thing to deal with as a parent as you come to that realization that you are turning your kids into responsible sinners as opposed to the beautiful, innocent faces. I mean, I know they have a sin nature. Don't misunderstand me. But that beautiful innocence that they have, which we lose over time, but we lose, it's not necessarily lost. It's almost taught. We teach it out of them. It's a, it's a terrible tragedy. And it comes from our pride as adults. It comes from us. If I want my kids to be better Christians than me, more obedient to God, loving him, worshiping him better than I ever have, I have got to own my sin in front of them. I have to tell them my shortcomings. I have to admit it when they, sh- when they point it out. They need to know they're right. They need to see grace and mercy for me. They need to give me grace and mercy, but they need to see me asking for forgiveness. They've got to see that. Or I'm going to teach them that in certain circumstances, God's word isn't true in this area, and that would because de- they will believe me. They will believe us. And we turn them into us, and we feel better. But we've done them a terrible disservice. And it's something that they'll have to dis- they'll have to get over. When confronted with God's righteousness in his presence, Job's response is correct, and it's without pride, it's in humility, I am vile. We should say that a whole lot more in our lives than we already do. Very important. Verse 6, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, still showing himself in a storm in in Job's life. Now prepare yourself like a man, and I will question you and you shall answer me. And again, I don't know exactly how he's stating that. I don't know the tone. But I do think he wants to get past the, the, the poor me a little bit. Of course he understands it. He is acquainted with grief and sorrow, or he will be anyway when Jesus comes. Hebrews tells us that. We have a, a, a high priest who can sympathize with our weakness. Someone who is tempted in all things and yet without sin. We have that in him. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's gone through that and is going through that and, and understands these things. But he does answer Job here and says, I want you to prepare yourself like a man and I want you to, I, I will, I'm going to question you and you shall answer me. You don't get to say, you don't get to say this very next verse, would you indeed annul my judgment? Would you condemn me that you may be justified? It's not okay to say, yeah, but I had this in my, in my past. And, th- and that's why that's the way I am. I'm this way because of this in my past. Look, and I, and I appreciate the hurt and the pain and the sorrow that we've all had to go through as, as, as people. And I know there's a ton of stories in here that I would I'd probably rather not hear because I'd be too much for me to bear the loss that you've discovered or the hurt that you've gone through. I understand that. And I'm, I'm not trying to be less than sympathetic with you. But there does come a point where we still have to own and we are responsible for who we are. We're responsible to be like Christ to those around us. We're responsible. What happened to us, whatever happened to us, happened to us. But that doesn't make, that doesn't define me. That doesn't change what God expects of me. I struggle with a certain, um, the, the world is forever trying to teach us that you are your past and it's what defines you and it's made you who you are. Embrace it. Hmm. Partly true, 
but you need to overcome it and you need to have forgiveness for whatever took place, regardless of whether they ask for it, you need to bring that forgiveness to the table and give it for your sake. God tells us that Jesus did for us. I don't know why we wouldn't have to do it for each other, but I struggle with this. Um, I am the way I am because that's the way God made me. Um, <laughs> partly, but we have such a broad brush for that in our lives that it's not appropriate. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll pick on something easy. Uh, are there any Irish people here? Let's pick on Irish people. We'll, we'll, we'll that, raise your hand higher, Toby. Toby's Irish. Some of you are going, I might be, I don't know, a little bit of Irish. Irish people, a bunch of drunks. They're always angry. Redheads. Any redheads in here that are like true redheads? We don't see. You're not. You're, you're, your temper. You redheads are all, you know what I mean? You can't do that. I don't care if you've got a redhead or not. You need to be nice. Brad. Toby. Stop it. Or whatever, you know. No. No, we're, we've been given the mind, if you're, if you're a believer anyway, you've been given the mind of Christ and you've been given a new heart. And Paul makes it very clear, such, such were some of you when he writes to the Corinthians. And he, there's a list there that I'm on, I'd love to go through with us all sometime. But Paul says, and Paul's letters are scripture, they're God-breathed, they're Holy Spirit. And um, he says, such were some of you, you shouldn't be that anymore as a Christian. In other words, you've been set free why are you still doing that? And I'm holding you accountable for the decisions you're making right now in this entire list. And you can look that list up. Um, you know, it's really hard for me not to hit on the one I want to hit on. I'll hurt a lot of feelings. And it's not the intent. I don't want to hurt feelings. But you can't have it both ways. I guess that's what I'm getting at. You can't say, this is the way I am, and then have, well, but then there's some personal accountability. It's it's one or the other. Um if that is the way you are and that's the way God made you, then nobody should be mad at you for the way you are. Everybody should accept you and feel bad for you like anybody that's had some kind of disease thrust upon them is the idea. Or it isn't the way God made you. It's the choices if you've made, and then there's personal responsibility and personal accountability. You can't have both. You can't have both. Would you indeed annul my judgment? Would you condemn me that you may be justified? Don't blame that on me. Are you really going to uh, see? Because that's what Job has done this entire time is his friends have um, maligned his character and accused him. Job has not said, I don't know what's going on. God is good and great all the time. And I love him. And certainly it's not his fault and own it. And so I don't know what's happening, but I, I, he deflects to the Lord. He says, I'm with you guys. I don't know what's going on here. If God would present himself and all of a sudden he it is the woman you gave me that caused me to eat. It was the serpent that you made that made me eat. It's just this, we don't mean to, but we do it a lot. And that's what God's calling them on. Are you going to indeed condemn me that you may be justified? Have you an arm like God? Or can you thunder with a voice like his? Then adorn yourself with majesty and splendor and array yourself with glory and beauty. And disperse the rage of your wrath. Look on everyone who is proud and humble him. 
Look on everyone who is proud and bring him low. Tread down the wicked in their place. Hide them in the dust together. Bind their faces in hidden darkness. Then I will also confess to you that your own right hand or your own, your, your own right hand can save you. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty intense. Can you do all this? No, I can't. Okay. Still not answering the question as to why this has all happened. Never discloses the fact that Satan has showed up here and here's what's happening. I'm trying to prove a point. I'm trying to let the world know that your righteousness and your love for me and your holiness towards me is not because of of the stuff I give you, but because you actually worship me and you love me for who I am. And I'm trying to show that up here. I've got this thing going up there in heaven. I got, the, I got all the sons of God presented, and they're all watching this, and everybody's cheering for you. You just can't hear it. He doesn't do that. He doesn't have to explain all that. He's simply telling them, can you do any of this stuff? Do you do any of this stuff? No, 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 no. Then uh, what I'm doing here is all part of that. Just like I can make the hawk fly, just like I can make the wild donkey over there, just like I can do this over here, and he's going to go on. And describe behemoth here in a minute. Just like I can do all that. That's what I'm doing here. You just have to trust me on it. Look how, or look now at behemoth. This is an interesting creature. We do not have a definition. This is obviously a, an extinct creature, maybe. Maybe he's hidden in the Amazon. I don't know. But we don't have any idea what this is. And I'll tell you why. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Let's not, I don't want to get hung up on the fact of what we think it might be. The point is, this is a creature that is something we've never experienced, but Job knew very well. Everybody knew this thing. Everybody. Look now at the behemoth, which I made along with you. So they're contemporary. <laughs> Eats grass like an ox. See now, his strength is in his hips, and his power is in his stomach muscles. He moves his tail like a cedar. The sinews of his thighs are tightly knit. His bones are like beams of bronze, his ribs like bars of iron. He is the first of the ways of God. Only he who made him can bring near his sword. Surely the mountains yield food for him, and all the beasts of the field play there. He lies under the lotus tree in a covert reed, in, in, in a covert of reeds uh, and marsh. The lotus tree covers him with their shade. The willows by the brook surround him. Indeed, the rivers or the river may rage, yet he is not disturbed. He's confident that the Jordan gushes into his mouth. Though he takes it uh, in his eyes or one pierces his nose with a snare. I don't know what this is. At first glance, you say, well, hippo, vegetarian, loves the water. Actually faster in the water than on land. Pretty amazing. Pretty terrifying. More people are killed by hippos than sharks. You know, just steer clear of them. I don't know how hard can that be. They're just. But then it says that his tail is like a cedar. No, 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 no. That would that would rule the hippo out, wouldn't it? Okay, so it's an alligator. An alligator. That makes sense. Big, strong stomach muscles. You see him swim like that. But it, it's a vegetarian, and it doesn't eat meat. Hmm. He's describing this thing that it can just sit in the water and cover itself in the lotus. And when the rivers are raging, it just sits there and just flows around him. It doesn't move him at all. Describes this animal with huge strength. The point of this is not what we think it might be. And Leviathan as well. We'll get into that next week. 
But the idea is this thing can't be tamed. It does what it wants to do. It's simply meant to be observed and enjoyed. And it's extinct now, unfortunately. Otherwise, we'd know what it was. Um, But to appreciate this and to look at this and to see it, because he's going to go into the Leviathan next week and describe another gigantic creature that is obviously extinct as well. We're not sure what it is. Some sort of sea creature. And I think we're discovering more and more that we don't know half as much as we thought we did. Every time we see something wash up on the shore, we're like, oh, that was out there. You know? <laughs> Gee whiz. I'm not I'm never swimming out there again kind of thing. You know, I think there's a lot of that out there that we're just figuring out still. And uh, these two things are, are them. And they're meant to do that. They're meant to be awe-inspiring and enjoyed and looked at and appreciated and left alone, you know, at the same time. Nope. Not going to touch that. It's fine right over there. Um, God wants us to appreciate his creation and appreciate his work in our lives. And sometimes it's mysterious. And that's an okay thing. As he's trying to get across to Job. And I think Job understands that. Job is learning. This is school time. The way God is presenting himself to Job is, Job, you are the student and I am the teacher And I'm trying to explain to you things. Now, the other guys are getting the benefit of this also. They're all sitting there and they're listening and nodding, saying, oh, yeah, wow. They didn't think about all that. Nobody's getting the answers to their questions. They're getting the lesson that they need. And that's very important. And I need to appreciate that about my teacher. Do I trust God to bring into my life the lessons that he knows that I need? Can I accept those and listen attentively? Or Or do I sit in class like I used to and say, oh, this is so boring. Oh, this is not what I want. You know, I hate, I hate sixth period, you know, home ec. Are you kidding me? You know, home ec. Can I go to shop class or something? I'm a boy. I loved home ec. Absolutely loved it. Learned how to do an egg the right way. You cook them too fast. We cook them too fast. That's why they get the crusty edges around the edges. I learned that in class. You know, if you cook them slow, they don't have that nasty, hard, protein around the edge of it. If you just cook them slow and take your time, but everybody wants the egg too fast. Whole mech. Mrs. Hansen. Thank you, Mrs. Hansen for teaching me that. That's a lesson in a class that I didn't think I'd enjoy, didn't appreciate, didn't want to stand in the kitchen with four other people and come make baked Alaska or whatever it is that we did. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I remember it to this day better than shop class, actually, you know? God has lessons for us and wants to bring us to school, wants to take us through courses that we didn't sign up for. Some of them are 400-level courses for some of us, but they're so valuable, and God says, you need this class. You need this school, and what God is doing, he's taking them to school. This is making all of you closer to me better, and you're going to understand when this is all done, and that's, that's the point. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for teaching us this morning, for showing us the mystery around us and, and learning to appreciate the lack of knowledge that we have about certain things, but to appreciate the artist who made them, the creator. And God, we, we so love you. We so thank you for the things we don't understand about women. We so thank you for the things we don't understand about men. We thank you for the mysteries around us and we, we, we accept them and, and, and appreciate the differences. We thank you for the animals that are all around us and the, the things we do get and we can kind of control and manipulate and the things we, we can't and don't understand. Um, we appreciate all that, Lord. Lord, help us to have Job's heart of humility. Lord, and help us to be good students of yours. 
to be attentive, to be listening, to receive everything you have for us, knowing that it's going to become very useful to us one day, if not immediately. Lord, bless these folks as they go today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer before you come up, be glad to pray with you. Otherwise, have a good rest of the week.